Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We're on a series, we call it Red Letter, and, and really what it is is it's just going through the Gospels. We're looking at things Jesus said, we're looking at stories about Jesus. We're making this series a Jesus series. How appropriate at this time of year, huh? I mean, you know, I, I could say that probably about some, any message. When I went, went out in the foyer after the first service, in the first uh, message of this series, someone came up to me and they said, man, you're really drawing a broad stroke here, aren't you? You can go anywhere when you're talking about what Jesus said. <laughs> I said, yeah, caught me. Yeah, it's true. I'm guilty. But you know what? It's, it is about Jesus, isn't it? It's about you know, Dane and I were talking this morning, and you know, if you've been saved for any length of time, you know, five years, ten years, you know, for me, I'm coming up on 40 years. I know. Got saved when I was two. <laughs> but you know, you've gone through, through life, and you've seen, you know, uh, churches rise and fall, You've seen ministers rise and fall. And, and sometimes, I, I know when I used to be a pastor in Minneapolis, I'd get calls every now and then from, from people just that didn't even go to our church, but they'd call me up and they'd talk to me about the hurt they'd experienced because, you know, the church they were in had fallen apart. And, and honestly, the one, the one I'm thinking of here, I had been a part of. You know, I wasn't a pastor. I was just a, a young hippie dude that got saved that used to come and sit in the pew every now and then. You know, it wasn't really my home church, but I remember it, it fell apart. It was a big church in Minneapolis, and it left all these casualties. And, and I thought, I was talking with Dana about it, and, and uh, I realized this, that, that there's a danger in identifying too much with your church. Again, am I just shaky ground or what? But don't ever do that. Identify with Jesus. Even the great Apostle Paul, who, who I admire, you know, he's, he's a cool guy. I get most of my messages from him or from the Holy Ghost. But, but uh, uh, he said this to the people. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So we can learn from each other, and what we learn is how people are pursuing God. You know, when people's lives fall apart, when their worlds seem to fall apart, you know, if they've been trusting in people or things, they'll fall apart. But if they've had a relationship with Jesus, and that is the strength that they stand on, I'm telling you what, you can come through anything. You can, we've gone through some, some things, Dana and I, I mean, not with each other. Well, together we've come through some things. We've seen some things fall apart in our life. But we haven't fallen apart because we've always kept our eyes on Jesus. I remember when, when we started this church back in the year 2000. You know, we were still commuting from Minneapolis. I remember one Sunday we, we came to church, and, and uh, back in that day we met at the Leisure Service Center, the park board, and they had to have a, a custodian, or no, yeah, they had to come and open it up for us, that was the thing. 
and there was a, a blizzard. It was worse than today. There was, it was bad. And uh, we had half our church come from Minneapolis. You know, Mitchell Harding used to come from Minneapolis with his parents. And we had all gotten up at 4 in the morning or something, some early time. When it's before 6, it doesn't matter what time it is. And we, you know, we, I don't think we had one person that was regularly attending the church that didn't show up that day. Everybody showed up, but the park board figured we wouldn't come because it was snowing out, and they didn't show up, so I had to get on the phone, and we never to get the building open, so you know what we did? We all, it wasn't a huge crowd. It was probably only 30 people at the max. We all went to Culver's, <laughs> and we had church right at Culver's, and, and the owner of Culver's, Gary is his name, if I walk into the, down the street and I see him today, he'll still remember the day we all brought church to Culver's. <laughs> we said, thank God. You want to hear a really crazy thing? You know, we're just a young church then. And we really didn't take an official offering that day. But people just came up to Dane and I before they left and said, oh, here's our offering. And we had like a record-breaking offering that day. As a matter of fact, it was twice as large as anything we'd ever had in the church. So we paid the rent that month. It was great. That isn't even what I wanted to say, but I just thought of that. But when we were in the early stages of the church, I mean, you know, it seemed like we, we had a lot to do because, you know, you're basically you're setting up and you're tearing down every week. And, and Dana said something to the effect, don't get me wrong, Dana is a rock. She is the one that when we're sliding into a snowplow says, Jesus! Who knows what I say, but, but <laughs> it'll not be recorded. Anyway, <laughs> but she, she made a comment to me one night about, about the, all that she was doing for me at the church, and I instantly looked at her, and I said, Dana, I hope everybody else isn't doing it for me. And she really wasn't either, but it was just a momentary lapse of reason. And she said, you're right, we're doing this for Jesus. Whatever you're doing in life, do it for him. Do it for him, you know, whether you're shoveling snow or, or ushering or working in the kids' ministry or going on a trip to the Philippines. Keep your heart set on him. He's, he's the one that will bring you through. All right, we're talking about red-letter stuff, and, and the way the Lord led me this week is to just spend a little time talking about what Jesus said about healing. Do you hear me? Yeah, what did he say? I said, well, we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus said about healing. Have you ever looked at what Jesus said about healing? Has anybody ever needed to be healed in their life? You know, I'm sharing things this morning, you know, and I do every week, but I'm really, I'm telling you how Dana and I have lived as Christians, you know, and, and um, we believe in healing. We believe it's God's will to heal us. Now, as, as people who believe that with all our hearts, we've seen miracles in our life and our family, just at home, just when we're being us, we've seen miracles, and we've also had challenges, you know? And, and yeah, I remember one time, I'll tell you one that I don't always tell. One time we were out at a, a, at a family cabin at our, our brother and sister-in-law's cabin, 
and we're driving home, and Casey on the way home, my youngest daughter, says, I've got some kind of a lump in my neck. And you know how it is as a parent? Do you want to know how it is? You go, eh, buck up. That's what I would do, you know? Come on, we're driving home. I don't stop the car. I, I try to make little about these kinds of things. You know what I mean? That's me. Dana may not, but that's how I do it. And so we get home, and Casey wasn't kidding this time. She had a lump on her neck. How big was that, Kara? Yeah, like the size of Kara's fist. So it was huge. And it was like a weekend. And it was like, you know, we don't have great insurance. So I said, well, we're not going to the doctor unless we have to. Just being real. But Monday morning, I took her in. We believed God, you know, the whole time. But when it got down to an emergency like that, if I don't see an instant result, and it's my kid, I get everything I can get. And you know, here's a mistake some people make. Can't tell you? How do you know you, people make this? Because I've made it. Some people think, well, I'm going to the doctor. I guess I'll just kick my feet back now and forget everything else. You don't do that. You go to the doctor and you believe God. You have your faith fully activated. And it turned out we had to have a surgery with Casey. And we had to take our little precious one into the hospital and have a surgery. And you know what we did the whole time that went on? We trusted God. We believed him. And it was, it, you know, I would have liked to have seen the whole thing dissolve. And honestly, in our family, in our lives, we've seen that kind of thing. We've seen a broken arm healed instantly by God's power. You know, we've seen a swelled up foot that was huge, black and blue, instantly be healed in the black and blue go. That stuff was like, that happened all the time. Kara growing up, you know, we'd just pray and things would happen, get healed. But I hit a roadblock and, and so you know what, I took him to the doctor, and we but we didn't let our faith down. We believed God through the whole thing. We trusted Jesus. So I'm telling you today that sometimes we talk about healing and people think, oh, but I've failed in this area. You know, we can all look at things we've failed at in life, but don't, don't focus on that. Stand up, rise up, put your faith in him, and let's trust God together. Ha, hallelujah. So, you know, I'll just ramble for a while. The team in the Philippines, you know, I was really encouraged to see how, how they're out there just doing the words of Jesus. They're, they're, they're praying for people. I read a, a post that, that someone had up, I think it was Mark, and he had ministered. Stephen told me, or told Kara, that Justin came to him uh, on the first day and said, well, Pastor Stephen, you're preaching every day. And Pastor Stephen says, well, can I have some of my other people preach? Because he wanted everybody to get a chance. And so one day Micah preached, one day Mark preached, and Pastor Steve, Kelly did too. Pastor Stephen, I think, preached a couple days. But one day Mark was preaching, and I read this post, and he said, uh, 
something about, wow, it was so cool today. He said, I prayed for a woman, and her, her shoulder was healed right on the spot. And he said, then another person came up, and we prayed, and he asked Jesus into his life. And I was reading the words, but the whole time I was reading it, I could see Mark just grinning from ear to ear going, wow, let me at him, you know? There's something about praying and seeing God move in people's lives. And what we're talking about this morning, eventually, we're talking about words of Jesus, words that he said about healing. And my intent in this message today is to strengthen our confidence when we pray for ourselves or for other people. Strengthen our confidence because if you go praying for people to be healed and you don't think you're doing what Jesus wants, some people think this. Some people think, well, Jesus might be making them sick in this case so they can learn about him. Well, you're not going to get very far praying if that's what you believe. It would be, a, it would be a, an act of God. Is that right? Yeah, anyway. So anyway, it would, just, it would be out of, the, out of the ordinary. But if you can pray and know I'm praying and believing right in line with what Jesus said, there's something about that that causes faith to rise up in your heart. It causes a confidence in your life. When I've prayed for my, my kids and my family and anybody, I've prayed from that place. That's when I've seen results. That's where I stand when it comes in. Even when it didn't look like it was working, we continued to stand. We said, we're not being moved. We're standing on what God's word says. And really, when Casey came through that, Kara, you'll remember this too. She had the surgery this week. She was up the next Sunday playing the piano, and, and she had this, this, you know, where they had cut into her neck. She had her hair whipped back. She was just like playing away. Wasn't moved in the least. To me as a dad, that's what I was a bit concerned about, if she was going to be hindered in that way, thinking, oh, no, and now it's, you know, it's all healed up. But that was right fresh. It was that very Sunday. Do you remember it? Yeah. See, I've got to look to you because I don't have your mom sitting here this morning. And by the way, I would encourage all of you to give out amens today because Pastor Stephen's gone and Kelly's gone, and they're my chief ameners. You've got to know. <laughs> but Christine's here today. That's good. All right, good. All right. Mark 16, are you there? I never mentioned it, but in case maybe, maybe you thought and turned there anyway. Mark 16. Now, when I was reading this this week in my Bible, it, it had the words at the beginning of it, the Great Commission. And you're going to find the Great Commission in, in a couple different places, but this one in Mark is so specific, I wanted to read it. And, you know, Jesus said some things here that weren't recorded in other places. And here, he starts off in verse 14. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen from the dead. And, you know, hardness of heart, you know, we've talked about this in weeks past, but it's really, it's being more caught up in the world than we are with Jesus. Okay? And you can slip from one place to the other, you know, in a, in a nanosecond. You can go from one to the other. But if you can slip into hardness of heart, I can tell you this, you can slip into faith in a nanosecond. Okay? And, and um, 
you know, there's things to overcome in this world. There's things to overcome. Being an American, there's things to overcome. You know, when we watch TV, we have this rule, Dana and I do, the one, well, whenever possible, we don't watch it live and we fast forward through commercials. But every now and then we watch something live and, and inevitably there'll be a commercial on about some pharmaceutical product. So then our next rule is it has to be muted. Why is that? Because they'll go on for 30, 40 seconds talking about all the sickness you'll have if you take this pill. In our church in Minneapolis, we had a, a, a lady in the church who was a pharmacist. And I remember one Wednesday night I was preaching, and, and you know, I was preaching a message similar to this, maybe a little different probably, but it was all on, on, on God's will to heal us and healing through the Bible. Who knows what wild title we had back then. But I remember Anne is her name, and she came up to me after the service, and she says, oh, thank you, Pastor. I so needed, I was in a conference today in a, a seminar, and he said, she said, all day, all I heard was sickness. She said, so much so that I was, I was coming up with every disease you could imagine. So then I came to church, and I hear what God's will is, and it sets my mind straight. I need my mind set straight, you know? And, and thank God people are out there helping, each, helping us, but man, I don't want to hear about sickness and disease. I don't want to hear about it when I'm sitting back at home in my living room. Again, we protect the atmosphere of our home. I'm fading into the first service now. I went off on this for a while. But I'll just tell you that, that something Dana and I have done since we've been married is we've had this thinking that we protect our home front. We protect the house we live in. We guard it. Now, I don't mean I have an armed guard. I used to have a watchdog. Now it's just me and Jesus. <clears throat> but what I'm really talking about is we guard the atmosphere of our home. We, we hold on to peace within our borders, you know? And so if we're out in the world and we come home, it's like, <sighs> I'm breathing in the atmosphere of heaven. That's our goal. Does it always happen? We, we make it our goal. We try to make that happen. We used to do that in Haiti. John, you were down there at our house in Haiti, and, and Mitchell was too, and there's others probably, but, but we, we, we did that. When Dan and I would go out every day, you go out, you could step out of the gate down there, and you're being bombarded by everything you can imagine. You walk a block, and you're running into a witch doctor, which you found out. There's probably more of them when we lived there. And, 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 and uh, you know, Dane and I went to sleep every night in Haiti listening to voodoo drums. Because within a block of our house, there were three uh, lively witch doctor, uh, what do they call a witch doctor? Anyway, a church, voodoo church or something, whatever. And, and you know what? We laid our heads down in peace and we slept because Jesus was Lord. We didn't have fear, we didn't have any of that stuff because we guarded the the atmosphere of our home. In fact, one time, I remember we were down there, I, was, I will tell this stuff, we were down there, uh, and, and it was before the revolution in 1986, and, and uh, we were down there, we had this team down there, it was a brother and a sister, they were down there just to help us. They came down, God bless them, they took vacation time from work, and they came down just to do projects that we had, and we'd go to churches and things like that, but when they were at the, the, the house, they were painting our wall, and doing stuff, and it was such a blessing to us. 
But I remember we just, there was like an atmosphere thing going on out there. And we were just kind of sensitive to what was happening in the country. And the reality was it was like a week before the revolution took place in Haiti. I think that was on fe February 7th of 1986. And, and, and so we just had this alarm come up in us. And, and so we gathered the troops together and we walked around the, the perimeter of our, our building, around where the wall is, and we just prayed. We prayed the whole time. We just, we did, you, you can call it whatever you want, a Jericho march or whatever. All I know is this is what God showed us to do. And we walked around, we said, nothing's going to happen here. Within a week, there was a revolution. Our next door neighbor was a key uh, soldier in the, in Baby Doc. Baby Doc was the old dictator. He was like one of the head people in, they called his army the Tone Tone Makuts. And they were like, in Russia, they would have been the KGB, okay? And, and my neighbor was that guy. And, and uh, when the revolution happened, I'm telling you, you know, you know the market next door? That's what it is now. It's a market now. There was, there, he had a wall that was higher than our wall. And I could see, when I'd go up on the second story of our house, I could peer over into his yard. And this is what I watched the day of the revolution. He had his, his gates up all the armor he could muster. He had himself a pistol in one hand, and he was walking around like a caged animal because there was a crowd outside his gate wanting to do whatever to him. And they got, they got like a, this was like cartoonish to me. They got like this big log and, you know, a whole bunch of them, like 10, 15 of them, and they were ramming his gate, and he's firing his gun. We're sitting in our home in the peace of God. That's the only way you can watch that. With the piece of, can I tell you another one? Remember how that house was, John? There's like a, a second story has a cement ledge all the way around the, the windows. So Dana is in the front bedroom and, and she's putting her makeup on, you know, doing her eyes. I don't do that, but I've seen her do it for years. Putting her makeup on and she's looking in the mirror and I'm down the hall and I hear her scream. Dana can scream, I can tell you. She used to be a cheerleader. She has some screams. And, and, and she let out a wallop, and, and we came running, and, and, um, and turned out she was looking in the mirror, and, and she saw the reflection of, a, of a, an army dude with a machine gun on our ledge walking around the house. So they had jumped from the, where the, the Makut was across our gate got up on top of our house and walking around the ledge of it. I said, thank God we prayed. Thank God we prayed. And we assembled in the middle where there was no windows, and we prayed for a minute. I was actually on the other end of the house when it happened, and I was taking pictures of all the chaos that was going on, and they had pointed a machine gun at me and told me to quit taking pictures. I said, gotcha. They didn't even have to speak English. I understand. When you have a machine gun pointed at you, you go, Yes, sir. And I walked away. <laughs> Goodness, you guys are too much. How do you preach this stuff? I can't even get past the first verse. So anyway, Jesus said this to him. He said, go, preach, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. Those, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. You know, the, the, 
The Bible didn't have punctuation in the original text. We've added that. The King James people added that to make it supposedly more understanding, and most of the time they did a good job. I, don't, I, I read this like this. These signs will follow those who believe. I took out the colon. I say, in my name. When you believe in the name of Jesus, there's a power in there. There's a demonstration that comes into your life when you believe in that name. Jesus said, these signs would follow those that believe in my name. He said, they'll cast out demons. Now, I'll stop right here. I'm not going to, this is the part most people read through quick. Maybe I've done it too. But I'm going to just tell you. Jesus said, you do not have to be afraid of the devil. Did you hear me today? You don't have to be afraid of the devil. Oh, 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 but the world's so evil and the devil's on the rampage. I agree, but you don't have to be afraid of him. I'll tell you this too, you don't have to look for the devil. You know, don't make the devil your quest in life, okay? Um, he'll show up whether you look for him or not, but you know what? When he shows up, you need to know this. You've been given authority over him, okay? Uh, this is coming from someone who had witch doctors for their neighbors. This is someone who was walking down the street in Haiti and would see the witch doctor blowing fire out of his mouth and go, oh, there he is, he's home. Okay, it's the truth. We, we had uh, a witch doctor get saved down in Haiti. His name was George. And he was, he was the old, kind of like the Tarzan kind of a witch doctor. There was different kinds. There was like the, the highfalutin kind that, that, you know, cost a lot of money for them to pray or cast their spells on people and things like that. They had, we had them down there. But this guy was kind of like, man, you were like going into the, the jungle or something. And this guy probably had a hold of more something than any of them. And he ended up getting born again, started coming to our Bible studies. I tell you what, Jesus is Lord. Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. In my name, you have authority. He says, you'll speak with new tongues. Hey, you know what? It's a great way to pray. I, I do that every day, okay? And, and, you know, you don't have to pray in tongues to be a Christian you don't even have to pray in tongues to be on fire for God. But I'm telling you what, it's a great tool God has given us to pray. One of the cool things is you can pray about things that you maybe don't even know what to pray about. Okay? Hey. He said, in my name they'll take up serpents. Now, again, the only biblical explanation for that or the a demonstration of that that we have is Paul on the island of Melita, and he picked up a, a bunch of wood, and in that was a snake, and the snake bit him. It was a venomous snake. It bit him, and he shook it off into the fire, and he went and he preached the gospel, and the whole island came and heard the gospel, and they got saved. Cool. Don't go looking for snakes. Don't say if, see if you can pet a rattler or anything like that. That's just being foolish. You can drink any deadly thing. It'll by no means hurt you. I believe that mission, it's a missionary scripture. It's something for missionaries to have. Sometimes it's something you need if you eat fast food, okay? Pray over your food. Believe God as you eat, you know? I, I remember going places to eat, and, and I, I, I gave instructions to the people that were my interpreters and said, do not tell me what I'm eating. Because if I knew what I was eating, I wouldn't want to eat it. And, and uh, so anyway, I think God had everything covered with this one. But then, then we're getting down to this. He says, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Jesus said this about healing. He said that as believers in Jesus' name, you, can, you are authorized. You have been given authority. You've been deputized to go forth 
with the authority of heaven, you can lay hands on the sick. And Jesus said, and they shall recover. Let me finish what he said now, or what it says. It says, after that, the, the Lord had spoken to them. He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs accompanying them. As you go on and you pray for people, this is where I'm hidden today. I want you to have confidence. If you pray for yourself or you pray for someone else and you're praying for healing, you can pray with confidence. You can pray this knowing this is God's will in the situation. At our house, if I, if I have pain in my body, I'll say, Dana, we lay hands on me, pray for me that God will heal my body. Dana does the same thing to me. Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, we don't always just have this, this formula that we go by, but we pray for each other, but we do it with confidence knowing what Jesus said about it. Um, there's a story I'm just going to tell you. What did we determine it is? Matthew? Matthew 8. Yeah, it's Matthew 8. I didn't write my, <laughs> how's this? Had this whole cooking sermon down. I didn't even write my reference down. So I was leaving it to the guys in media to figure it out this morning. But we figured it out. It's Matthew 8. There's a story of a centurion that came to Jesus because his servant was home and he was sick. And he comes to Jesus, and, and you'll recognize the story. Many of you will. He says, you know, he says, you don't even need to come to my house, Jesus. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus, you know, spoke the word, but then he turned to his disciples, and he says, wow, guys, even in Israel, I haven't seen this kind of faith. He says, this is amazing. And what it was is the, the centurion recognized authority, and he realized that Jesus had authority. And he said, really, all you got to do is speak the word, Jesus. So that's cool. Now, the interesting thing is, is the same story supposedly is recorded in, in Luke's gospel, okay? But in Luke's gospel, there's a huge difference. And the difference is this. It doesn't say the centurion himself came to Jesus. It says this, that he sent servants to Jesus. So in Luke's gospel, it says that the servants came to Jesus and said, our master has a servant that's sick. You know, and, and the, then the whole thing unfolds the same way. But it's the servants there. And then in Matthew's gospel, the centurion is there. How does that work? Did you ever have Bible questions like that where you read something and you go, how in the world? I don't get it. I found a discrepancy in the Bible. I, that's what's that's happened to me. Can I tell you what you do when that happens? Keep your relationship with Jesus. Put it on the shelf He'll show you what you need to know when you need to know it, okay? Does it, there's an answer for all of it. I just don't have them. I was, I was in a service one time, and, and this, this well-known speaker, if I said his name, many of you would know who he was, okay? And Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, was there. And he was in the front row. It was at, it was at, my, it was at Rima, and, and this minister was preaching, and he preached something that I'm sitting in the crowd. I knew what he preached didn't agree with what Brother Hagin believed and taught. That wasn't any big heresy. It wasn't like Jesus wasn't Lord or anything. People believe different things, but you can still love them. So you know what I did? I watched Brother Hagin. I thought, what are you going to do? 
You're going to correct this heresy? I mean, this is my young mind. I'm just, you got to understand, when I went to Ramah, when I went to Bible school, I'd only been saved a year. I had to get a haircut to go to Ramah. <laughs> I had to buy a suit because I didn't even have a suit. And anyway, so anyway, I'm sitting there wondering, what is he going to do? You know what? He just let it roll. At the end of the service, he got up, raised his hands, prayed for people, and it was great. Well, about a, maybe a month later, we're in class. We're in class at, at, at Rama, and Brother Hagen is the teacher. And he got off on a roll, and, and, and my memory serves me. He had just come back from, like, Africa on this missions trip, and he was just sharing. That has nothing to do with it, but I'm just bringing the thing into my recollection. And he said, he said this, and I'm in the second row, and he says, some of you remember when Brother so-and-so was here about a month ago. Brother Hagen says, he said something one night that I just didn't even agree with. I'm like, finally, we're getting down to business here, Brother Hagen. Let him have it. Come on, come on, come on. You know what he told us as students? He says, I'll tell you something. He says, when he went down that trail, he said, I just determined I'm not going to shut him out. And he said, just a few minutes later, he said something that answered a question that I'd had for decades. So that taught me a double-edged thing. It taught me, man, you're not so smart, Paul. Not everybody has to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with everything, everybody, but you can still learn. So it taught me, you know, a message that wasn't even on Brother Hagin's sermon notes that day. But uh, so here's a case where, where some of that could have happened. You know, I could have had a question about this. Well, I read some things later on in life and that helped answer it. And here's the answer that I'll give you today. Remember, the centurion came in one gospel, and he sent servants in another one. And, and uh, the truth is that in that day, there was an understanding of authority that we haven't held on to in this day. And the understanding was this plain, that if you went on a mission in someone's name, it was the same thing as if they went. When you step out in Jesus' name, it's like Jesus is doing it. You hear me? Now, I don't say that to get puffed-headed about. I say that to say this. You can minister with confidence. You know, I used to drive a truck for Billy Graham. This is an example. I used to, for a while, I drove the in-town delivery truck for Billy Graham. And, and I remember one day specifically pulling into the Minneapolis post office loading dock, which is right off the river off of Hennepin Avenue. And I pulled in, and, and we had a distinguishable truck because it had a bumper sticker on the back that said something from a Billy Graham crusade. So they knew it was us. And I got out of the truck, and I heard the guys on the loading dock say, Hey, Billy Graham's here. And I wanted to say, no, it's just Paul. But in their minds, I was acting on Mr. Graham's behalf. When you pray, when you minister in Jesus' name, there's power. There's authority. Things got to change. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.